Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment podcast. This week, we're so grateful to welcome guest Pastor Kim Severe to join Chaplain Jim Parkin and myself, Ashley Chandler. Welcome back. It's a great, welcome. It's great to have you back. It's job. been a minute. I'm so glad to like, be able to hang out with you. There's like an OG crew right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I'm blessed to be here. Remember when we used to sit around Jim's <laughs> table downstairs in the basement for like five hours on a Sunday? I sure do. <laughs> Record like three or four episodes. That was not the way to do it. But yeah. hey, we were new to the game. We were trying. I can remember an episode when where Isaac Chandler was pissed off about something. So he was standing directly <laughs> over us upstairs, stomping. <laughs> Toilets flushing. <laughs> we had all kinds of stuff going on. So much. The ambiance yeah. of you the want, early days. <laughs> you wanted some Cheetos. What? Yeah, probably was Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Oh, and then you had an episode, I think, with Pastor Crow, where it was like the the magic fairy wand or something. Oh yeah, Reagan, because we he came over like on a Tuesday or a Monday morning, so she was home because she was just little. Yeah, so she's down in the basement with us, and every she just wouldn't stop with that fairy duster. <laughs> it was like a do 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 do. It was like the Disney princess episode. Yeah, uh, it was so cute. Wild though. No, so. it's good because some of that stuff I haven't cut out. I mean, there's been a few episodes where like Buddy comes walking in, <laughs> like Buddy, you know. What's so up, once, dude? once in a while, I've kept some of that stuff in just because it's like it's fun for people to know that we're just doing our thing, you know. Yep. So. So yeah, well, I figured I would have a veteran on because Veterans Week, you know. So we get into that kind of just how cool it is. And kind of over the past couple years, I've been following, like I listen to Black Rifle Coffee. I listen to their their podcast and those guys. And, you know, most it seems like most of the focus is always on veterans, veteran suicide and veteran post-traumatic stress and all these things. So I like from time to time to get into talking about veterans that are flourishing, that have had successful post-military. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's good. So, and then speaking of veterans, we can get into a little bit. We'll unpack a discussion I had with a buddy of mine the other day that I really wished we were recording. I was telling pastor Carl that you would have had to put the little, indicator because we were definitely talking like pastors but talking like oh no but but it was cool it was a very cool i didn't see it coming from this dude and it was a very cool take on like his he's a christian but his take on faith and kind of when the um kind of like i don't i don't know can you call da vinci ancient art you know, is that like, would that be ancient or at least it's not vintage, it's older than that. But like the Last right. Supper painting. Okay. That sort of thing. And, and the old like stained glass. And that's kind of 
the original, what we sometimes make fun of as Nordic Jesus. Okay. Like those paintings and stuff like okay. that. It was, it was cool. We can unpack that later, but. Okay. okay. So pastor Kim, what do you like after this, after how many years out of the military are you? Yeah, I am 42 years out of the military. 77 to 80 for me. Okay. Um, yeah, crazy. Yeah, and then that was 90 to 96. A different military now is a whole different thing. Oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine how different it is. Um, and Pastor Kim, you served in the Army? The I did. Okay. Was the only service. An MP. There's. Mm. Awesome. Yes, sir. I had that done before uh, an MP uh, battalion association reunion that I went to because I wanted to get a rise out of some guys, so I did. Yeah, <laughs> was purely self-indulgent. So that that I guess a lot of tattoos are right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, um, it, I'm certain it was extremely different then than it is now. Um, yeah. More than uniforms, more than just um, uh, uh, lingo and and uh, jargon. It's, uh, right. it's a totally different feel. Yeah, different policy. Like, when I came through, you could do, if you want to do, like, the Rangers or special forces or whatever you win as an infantryman or any one of the combat arms, but then you had to earn your way to kind of get that invite or like work your way towards it. And now you can contract into the Rangers. You can contract into the special forces contract in for the seals and do all that stuff straight away, which really they're leaning towards like the only boots on the ground would be the elite of the elite, the, JSOC, they call it, Joint Special Operations Command. Okay. Which is totally different. Yeah. But you also now have females that have made, gone to and completed successfully Ranger School. And like, you know, I was in the early 90s, but that wasn't even a thing. That wasn't even in part of the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so much different. And then, of course, you know, um, for me, and probably for you too, Pastor Kim, getting out, we all kind of just trickled in and trickled out. You know, now it's like mass infill, mass exfill. You know, everyone yeah. kind of, or their injury, you know, they're injured, medically retired. Right. You know, it's, it's much different. I was... Um... I did. I was at Fort Knox for boot camp, and because I, I, I enlisted and I went to boot camp like 13 days after I signed my papers, because um, I was going nowhere in a hurry. I was on a dead end road in my life. I was. Uh, it's a it's a really long story, but I went to Fort Knox 13 days after I signed, and there were no other um, MPs there. They were all going to be tankers and cavs because oh, yeah. that's where that's what was going on at fort knox and then i went to uh fort mcclellan alabama uh where the mp school was back then before uh w- while fort mcclellan was 
Um, also the NBC nuclear biological, wow. biological or chemical um, training base where they trashed the the ground, the soil, the water uh, all around Anniston, Alabama and Fort McClellan had to be shut down and was like uninhabitable for five or six years after that. And Anniston, Alabama, like lost their livelihood because that base shut down. Wow. And um, while I was there, just talking about the differences between then and now, while I was at Fort McClellan, we went to a ceremony, huge ceremony, the entire base showed up where they dis dissolved the wax, the women's army corps. It Ooh. was in 1977. They dissolved the women's army corps and then, and then um, women in the military were just known as soldiers. They weren't wax anymore. Um, and that was kind of an interesting thing to, to be there for that. And I remember um, some of the women that I served with, were so pleased with that, that they were at least getting closer to being um, treated with the respect and the honor that they deserved as being military personnel. Mm -hmm. It was cool to see that happen. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And kind of my generation. So I went in when I enlisted, it was to be do scout, Cav scout. And then it was just weird time because that was, I should have gone to Fort Knox, but I did not. I went to Fort Sill to do training with the, the Ford observers, the 13 Foxtrots with the um, artillery. And then I did all that and then went to Korea, became an officer's driver and just stuck it out with that guy for the entirety of the, my career but also you couldn't get promoted like every MOS promotion points were maxed out and you couldn't even get close. You know, nobody was making rank like they make rank. Well, obviously you make rank quicker in combat, but you know, it's not like it was now. I can remember with six months left there, that, that dude moved on. He went to Germany and I'm on Fort Lewis and they're like, well, we're going to have you go be, you're going to go operate as the 77 Foxtrot, which is petroleum supply specialist. And you're going to work in the motor pool. And I'm like, what do I know about that, man? Like, I don't know anything about that. You got to do the fuel reports for the, for the battalion. I'm like, Oh, well, okay. Here's what it is. Just, you're going to go do your thing. Yeah. And it was just, huh? You, you said, was that when you had six months to go? Yeah. So I was starting to get short. You know what I mean? I was getting, I was short. So, I was getting that short timer syndrome where I didn't really, yeah, I wasn't really so much caring anymore. And it was at the point where I was like, all right, I'm over it. Yeah. I've done my thing and I'm done with this. And so it just, it was just, but it was interesting how they would just put you where they needed you. Your MOS is this. I understand that, but we don't need you there. We need you to go work in the S1 forever and do, supply or whatever s1 was supply right no s4 was supply but you'd be with these staff officers that are mad because they don't have a command anymore and they're just doing admin stuff and like (laughs) so they're super super angry all the time Uh, it was wild the whole that kind of reminds me of the business of it is is very arbitrary 
Well, it kind of reminds me of when we had Roger Khan on and he talked about just depended on like what season of readiness you were in and if you had any funding to do what you needed to do. And so sometimes you were actually felt like you're doing stuff and other times you're just kind of thinking around trying to look busy, you know, so. And then you would go on, what was it? Do you remember what they called is it a red cycle when you're doing all the funeral details and all that? Yeah. Because okay. I can remember we'd go on that, too. The next thing you know, we're on all the military funeral details in the, around Oregon and Washington. So here's something funny about that. So we are on funeral detail, and it's all, like, honor guard stuff, Ashley. It's all, like, all the facing movements and all the yep. drill and sure. ceremony stuff. Yep. Full dress. We go do this funeral. And we get there and it's me. And at the time I'm like about a buck 70 and everybody, all of us, but it's not like we're weaklings or anything, but we roll in and, and what we see is a Samoan family. And like, like, so we're all, you know, the thing, pastor, can you get it? And you're holding the the casket and you're going to lift and do this like left face or right face or whatever it is and set it down. But we couldn't lift a dang thing. (laughs) So oh like, ready, no! Lift. And we all go and nothing. That's and a again, big dude. He was a big, big boy. It was like a master sergeant, and so his gigantic sons had to come. Oh no! And it's basically like they're patting you on your head. It's okay, little fellas. That's we'll, okay. Yeah. At least the sons got to do it. I mean, that's we'll, a big honor. We'll put it over there, and you guys can do the flag. Yeah. Well, oh, I will God, say so. so um. Nick's uncle passed away during the winter time this past winter and they, t- and they had his service out at the Holly national cemetery. Mm-hmm. And that was the first service I'd been to a military service like that. And um, so it took him a few weeks to get all the details and scheduling and all that worked out and stuff. And it was probably one of the coldest days of the winter. Like we were all like, I mean, it was cold. Um, it was really cool. And that's probably one of the few things like that gets emotionally that gets Nick every single time. Cause his grandfather passed away and he was like nine or 10 and mm-hmm. same thing, the 21 gun salute or whatever that they do and everything. It just like, it just broke him. It was just like stabbing. So it was, it was, that was really special to experience that and that they had that all set up to do for families and mm-hmm. continue that on. That's pretty it's, special. It's a very solemn place. It it's is. Moving, it's moving to go there. Yeah, you drive through the gate and you're impacted. I mean, if you're if you're an American, yeah, right, you're impacted by it. Yeah, yeah. I've been there. For, I've done a couple of uh, funerals there and attended one. Um, and the upside is whether it's 95 and you want to get out of there, or whether it's five degrees and you want to get out of there, they do keep them short. Yeah. Yeah. 15 or 20 yeah. minutes. Um, yep. Yeah. So it was always very cool to be involved, whether you were on the, uh, you know, whether you're racking off rounds on the, you know, the salute or just being in the, the folding of the flag. Folding of the flag is intense, man. That's an intense thing that you're trying to nail it perfectly. And it seems like one wrong move and you're, got to tuck here and pull this and get it just right but you don't want it to look like a soup sandwich when you're 
going to give this to a spouse or a family member. Yeah. I never got to do those. I was, I was in Germany my whole time. They didn't do any funerals over there. They did them all stateside. Yeah. As far as I knew. And they had special details for that. And I was never privy to that. Yeah. We gave some, um, um, escorts for, for Germans who were going through, going through, it was an open base where I was in Baumholder. It was huge, huge place. A tent, like eight, 10 square miles. No, not that much. Yeah. Probably was about eight or 10 square miles. That's huge. And it was, uh, you know, 25,000 Americans there. We did escorts for German dignitaries going through. Okay. So that's the closest I ever got to that. It's pretty special. Yeah. I was on camp in Korea. I was on camp Casey, which is not even a fraction of that. It was little. Very, that's a cool country, man, but it's also, as it is cool, it is weird. I bet. It I, heard, very, I heard some guys that I, that I was friends with that were over there and they had places off base that they lived and they lived like kings. They had, uh, they had people come and clean their house and do their laundry for, you know, a buck a week. Mm-hmm. And their rent was, you know, $50 a month type of thing. It was crazy. Yeah, or a box of MREs. Not that I'm publicly admitting to black marketing MREs. However, <laughs> like, so what we had MRE that. stand for? Meal ready to eat. Oh, okay. At least it's food. Um, I was like, is there anything well, other than food? <laughs> no, but uh, rations. Okay. that was right. But like, so we had, when I was over there, I was in 520th Infantry for a minute for half the time and 2nd Tank Battalion for the other half. And at both of them, little oddishies, little old men, actually, we'd pay them and they would clean your room, shine your boots, press your uniforms and not pay them a lot. But they were making a ton. If you're paying them you know, maybe like five bucks, 10 bucks a month, but it's all of us, they're making a fortune. Yeah. Then yeah. also giving them stuff out of the class six, you know, giving well, them. Would never do that. Huh? Would never no. Do that. I mean, it was cheaper than actually paying for a ride to school. <laughs> like six what? bucks, like less than seven bucks for a fifth of Jim Beam. And they loved it. So I'd go in there and get one. They got a sheet. Bing, bing, bing. Give me a ride to Seoul. All right. Better than paying. But it was weird, man. It was a wild dynamic because these soldiers would go. You go into the village, Tong Dushan, it was called, or TDC. And the Ajimas, the women, had these little cafes where they'd cook. Like people could get beer and this stuff they call soju. It's like... The legend has it is like rice liquor and formaldehyde. I don't think it's really formaldehyde, but it's like just super strong, like rice vodka kind of, okay. or like moonshine almost. And they would get a kettle of it, and it'd be like Kool Aid flavoring inside the alcohol. And these dudes okay. would just get wasted, so you'd have to go mop up your buddies. <laughs> but you'd go in, and they these dudes would go on credit, so they'd go on all kinds of like extending all kinds of credit these women would and it was like the the food was good i would just typically pay but the food was good it'd be like korean barbecue basically okay bulgogi and rice would be beef and rice and like fried rice 
with a big fried egg on it, ramen, obviously. But like, but these soldiers would get so far into debt. And then like the commander, like Camp Casey, basically the regimental commander would not let dudes clear and go home if they were in debt. Cancel those orders, Jack. Yeah. Don't trash the vocals. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. Those poor women would be out there at like on paydays on the first of the month, they'd be down there at the gates. Yeah. Looking for schmoes that owe the money. Looking for schmoes. And we would go down there because at the time, like, like halfway through, now I'm a squad leader. You know, me and my officer would drive down the front gate and be like, who owes? And they'd show us a list and then we'd go back to the battalion area. Wow. And they're breaking kneecaps. Really, it's just put a bunch of push-ups and stuff. But yeah, down there, you got to pay, man. No, that's good. That's good my that you honor the first community. Thing ever, you know, it's the first adult job they've ever had. Yeah, and so and they've never now they're getting paid, albeit not very much. But now they have a checking account, you know. So you got some of these dudes that no one ever said, like, listen, yeah, you can only write for what is actually there. So they just be <laughs> spent like ripping off checks. And then going deep debt on credit. What do you mean I'm out of money? I still have checks. Right. Yeah, exactly right, right man. Yeah. But that's not the way that goes. You're right. You're, we're guests in yeah. the country. We're there to, yeah. to help them and represent them and stuff. So, Well, it's, it's dual. I mean, it's honoring the community in their country. But also, like, how about we not have our reputation as Americans be that? <laughs> <laughs> well, some of those dudes were squirrely. You know, oh, no doubt. Some of the squirrels so I've ever met in my life were serving the country. Yeah, oh, that's like, good though. Like I had matters. never that kind yeah. of exposure to partying and drinking at that level. Crazy. And there's nothing to do for these, like, like ridiculous, like frighteningly so. Like people were like, like medevaced often for just like alcohol poisoning and. Dang. There was a dude got hit by a bus while I was there because they took like their battalion formation, ran out one gate and you could go probably like a mile and a half down and in the back gate of Camp Casey. And he was in battalion formation running still a little bit tipsy from the Mm -hmm. night before and stepped off in the traffic and got doop. So then we all on lockdown, can't leave Camp Casey for a while. And so it just, Makes it worse. So think about this, Ashley. So back in 90, it'd be 91, 92, at the NCO club, they were buying like a can of Budweiser for 85 cents. So if you can, you're an accountant, simple math tells you how much damage one can do to themselves for 85 cents a can. (laughs) So the MPs would not go to the enlisted men's club because we were hated. Why? Because we were the MPs. Because we mm-hmm. were. The so that's it, it. When I was stationed in Bombholder, that was the case because there was a um, a company of MPs there who patrolled the base, and we policed the soldiers and their families. And they did not like being policed. And sometimes yeah. there may have been a physical altercation or two in my three years over there. Um, but, um, 
So we could not go to the eat the enlisted men's club or else we would have just been hammered. Yeah, brawling. We, yeah. we had our own club on the third floor of our barracks and the German bar owners who loved the MPs because we came and got the drunk idiots out of their bars yeah. would, would sell us half liter bottles of German beer for a quarter a bottle. Oh, no. <laughs> and we That's would, no good. <laughs> it was not good. And we would put it, put it in our Dasi Schnicht Gut, my friend. You would put it in our, our club upstairs on the fourth floor and you, and you go up there and, and we would pay 50 cents for them because we would use the extra money to buy snacks and pool cues and things like that for the for our, our little club up there. And <laughs> guys were getting hammered for three bucks. Yeah. Because that's German beer. It's like eight, nine percent alcohol. Yeah. Freaking moonshine. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, Pastor Kim, so on Camp Casey, what would happen is, like, the MPs would post up at the gate, and we walk down there, and regardless, I could be just getting off duty, stone-cold sober, just going to get some food, and you had to do a field sobriety test to get out. Oh, wow. they just stop you, sometimes at random, sometimes everybody. To get off base. To be able to leave. If you were intoxicated, you couldn't leave. And they would they'd ship you right back. And if you gave them any gave them any lip at all into the stockade until the next day. Like no questions. And you knew, because like when you first get there, you're on 30 days lockdown. You can't leave camp, you can't leave base for 30 days. Wow. Which is so you get acclimated, so you're you know, so you start to understand how things work. Okay. And then once you can leave, you were not able to leave without someone who'd been there. You had to go down with a group, okay. which is cool. It's just kind of self-policing. But yeah, man, we would go down there and those boys would be sitting down there in the back of the Humvee. You're like, come on over here, Jack. Let's do this. Touch your nose. Alphabet backwards. Walk a straight line. Okay. So I can, I can do two of the three, man. I still can't do the alphabet backwards. And they'd be like, all right. Dude, that reminds me of the call that we, that first call that morning. <laughs> Start at 56, counting down oh, to 48. <laughs> Pastor Kim. So Ashley's with me and it's super early and there's a dude that's passed out at the gas station in his car. But his foot's on the brake. So it's yeah, kind foot's of on the brake. moving, but not. Cars in gear. So we're, we're trying to negotiate that obstacle. So PD comes, they get him kind of roused get him out of the car. He's got like, He's Mr. Two Flamingo with one Patron shoe. On. Yeah. yeah. And he's got one shoe. So he's holding it. He's Mr. Ashley's Flamingo with about the other shoe still. I'm like, I'm like, this is so awkward. He's standing here for like half an hour. Nobody's going to get him his other shoe. <laughs> no. But he's like three, I think two or three empty fists of Patron, like at least a pound and a half of weed. And so anyway, they're doing field sobriety on him, and the cops like, "All right, I need you to count what was it like backwards from sixty five stopping at fifty six or something, yeah, and my dude, like a brilliant, brilliant human, starts doing it, but silently, <laughs> and about the time he'd be about halfway, the cops like, "I'm going to need you to do it out loud." <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, it was so funny. Man, I love so Frank. so awkward. It was amazing. <laughs> so I got to tell you, in 25 years of police work, I never once asked someone to recite the alphabet backwards. I can't do it backwards. That's ridiculous. However, I did have a standard um, question that tripped up more people who were drunk than not. I asked them to give me a number between 12 and 14. <laughs> Telling you, eight out of ten drunk people could not do it. That's could incredible. Not do it. Those well, we ask people, people is if for their like neuro testing, we'll do how, who's president, like how many quarters in a dollar. Okay. You yeah. Know, if if it's that kind of thing, we'll be straightforward. But if it's somebody we've just brought back from a, a fentanyl trip they have to answer those same questions in order for us to write, sign them out. But what gets those folks is when I ask them is Mickey mouse, a cat or a dog. <laughs> and they'll be like, uh, a dog. <laughs> those guys come up with the same ones that ended up at the station. And we would convince them that we needed a, a their nose print. So we have them no way. put the tip of their nose ink and put mm-hmm. it on paper. And then the next morning, a lot of them would end up in court with oh yeah, uh, their no. And Those the are judge, the things you do. That's the judge beautiful. would know what happened and uh, laugh. Yep. Usually, that's so funny. I have in my in my medic career when I know people who are just shuffling hospitals to drug seek, I will take a tagaderm, which is what you stick the IV down with. And I'll take some hand sanitizer and put it in there and convince them that we're doing a transdermal fentanyl study. So I'm just going to put it on your back shoulder here. And you got to keep it there for 12 hours, but it's just slow acting and it'll last longer. I've, man, I've gone so far as to write time and initial on it for when they get to the next hospital. And then they'll get to that hospital and those docs get parking. You can, it can only be him. Oh man! But there's, Whoa. but there, unfortunately, there's people that will do that. Man, they'll hit yeah. all three yeah. hospitals multiple times. Yeah, wild stuff. Anyway, yeah. So let's get into it. So I'm talking to my buddy, and he's also a veteran. He made it into, he got into JSOC. He did some special forces stuff. But we were talking about community and breaking bread, basically pastor's message. Yeah. And then got into the Last Supper. And what he was saying, what I had never thought of this, he said, he asked if I thought that sometimes our perspective of Christ or of Christianity is largely based upon the old art that we've seen. So in our mind's eye mm-hmm. is, is the Last Supper, like a, a row of, and it's just, I'm sure it was beautiful moments, but, you know, is it? as we see it, all the beautiful robes and all the things and all the, yeah. Cause he said for, for him. And the more I think about it, the more I agree in his mind's eye, it's more like if you've seen pastor, can you ever seen um, uh, lone survivor? Have you watched that film? Uh, yes. Okay. Remember right before operation red wings kicks off and they're in the squad room and the one guy has to recite the, the seal credo and then they're getting their kit ready 
He said for him, Last Supper, in his mind's eye, that would be more representative because you got these dudes that aren't in beautiful robes that are getting ready. They're, they're going to be sent out on mission. Like we have the luxury of history. We know what happens next. Christ goes to the garden. He's arrested. He's crucified. But in, for those dudes, for the disciples, they're spending those last moments of fellowship before they go on mission. Not no, For lack of better terminology, they have no idea. Master Chief's right. going to lay on their grenade. They don't know who's going to fail in the mission. Someone always stalls out in the door. You know, yeah. They don't know all of the stuff that's going to happen. And it was really a cool perspective. You know, because like, so for me, that's like rig check. It's like truck check at the firehouse. That's like roll call. You know what I mean? You don't know. And it's fellowship and we're roasting guys and everybody's clowning. We're having a bite to eat. Not knowing what really the the outcome for the day is going to be. You know, and like I said, we have as Christians, as believers, 2000 years later, we have the benefit you know, we have the luxury of its history and we know what happens next. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was just a, a very cool, it was a one, it was a very cool conversation, you know, and it's just like, it's like man code stuff, man. You know what I mean? It's like, for me, when I think of it like that, it's not, I think from my perspective, and this is just Jim's opinion, but a lot of times, in my life, Jesus has been presented more like Prince. Like, I mean, and by that, I mean, not a Prince, but the artist formerly known as, then he has a contractor, like a carpenter, like a dude out knowing how to do all the man stuff and coaching these guys how to fish Yeah, and, and the people yeah. he dealt with and, and having to survive you know, the life he survived, like living in the wild, basically. Yeah. Walking from town to town on foot. <laughs> right. And, and a lot of times just like I said, from my perspective, the presentation has been more thinking of the little lamb and the softness and the, right. when I really don't think that was the case. Right. I mean, there was, there was obviously the loving nature and stuff like that, but you know, this is interesting. It was an interesting take. The Bible says the son of man will have no place to lay his head. Mm-hmm. And they probably, you know, a rock for a pillow type of thing. Have you watched The Chosen? Yes. And I think some of those scenes may be accurate. I don't know. Certainly I don't know. And I know that that is not um, 100% biblically accurate, but I think it's still very um, helpful in, in, allowing you the opportunity to think about what it may have looked like. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I agree. What he may have been like, how he, um, how he interacted with those men and those women. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. And, you know, it's the, when you see the, the small little camp he had set up and the little kids came where the kids came in. Yeah. yeah where he was making, a lock for somebody and was going to was, I, I got the idea was going to sell it in town right? and making, he made all the little toys for the little girl and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I love thinking of, of possible situations like that. Trying to imagine what it yeah. was like. Actually, if you haven't, like you guys should 
one, it's like an app. Then you can like phone cast it to your TV. Okay. But it's 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 cool because the chosen is crowdsourced, like crowdfunded. Like people buy like the whole thing. Okay. And we're going into season four, I think, right, Pastor Kim? Three. Season three. But it's it's not completely is not biblically correct, you know, but like, like you said, it does give you time and space reference. It suggests what conversation might be like. Yeah. There's moments where Jesus is roasting the disciples. You know, there's just little nuance to it that mm-hmm. just, that add a deeper perspective, you know, it's, yeah. it's super cool. And, I, and yeah, go ahead. No, I was it. I strongly recommend actually the the first one that they ever did was um, about the the birth of Jesus, and it was showing um, it came from the standpoint of a shepherd who was crippled and was kind of a kind of a goof up. He he messed up a lot, and um, but he's the one who saw where the where the baby was going to be and he he led the other shepherds there and i mean he was a like i said he was a he was a a, a a guy who goofed up a lot and the other shepherds maligned him and ripped on him all the time but it, that was profound and then the, and then it went into um season one after that i, I once you start watching them you're not going to want to stop and like jim said they're not like like I've seen video presentations before that were word for word of the Bible. There's nothing right. spoken in the videos except the word of God, word for word. This is not that, but I haven't found anything. And I haven't done a lot of research that flies in the face of anything, any biblical yeah. truth. So awesome. it's, it's powerful. Yeah. God, like that's I, a good way to say it. It is biblically true, but not scripturally correct. <laughs> if that makes sense. It's not like word for word. It's, yeah. But it's, it's so powerful. Like the first episode is just, is like of the seasons of like, of the first episode of season one is just if, if that doesn't shake you up, man, man it's just, cause it's like really when he comes on scene and still like all of it, like the hesitating to turn the water into wine, you know, mom's saying you got to do this thing. And he's like, it's not my time. Like, <laughs> you know, it's so cool. It's very cool. Very well done. I didn't yeah. think I would like it. I will tell you that a hundred percent. I thought when everybody was talking about it, I thought it's going to be like every other, like Cheesy. it's going to be like Christian movie where it's yeah. low budget because no one wants to fund them. They're trying to do all these things by themselves. It's just the way these these individuals did it was, in my opinion, absolutely brilliant. And they're in the process of making a feature length film the same way. Okay. Yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot of people really having been extremely impacted by. Your kids will want to watch it once they start. They won't want to. They don't want to turn it off. They're going to want to watch episode after episode. You're going to binge Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure, man. I watched four straight episodes. Next thing you know, it's like two o'clock and I'm like, oh, I got to get up. <laughs> oh, well. And then the next day I'm watching it on my phone. Whatever. The it's ep- brilliant. The episode when he meets up with Nicodemus on that rooftop at night 
and he is, and Nicodemus is asking him questions and he's answering them. And I, I, I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't think he would necessarily answer the questions the way that they had him do it in the, in the video, but it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. And the, it's so profoundly moving to see the reaction of this Pharisee who is impacted by Jesus. And, um, and then the next, the next day they're leaving, Jesus and the disciples are leaving and he invites Nicodemus to go with him. Mm-hmm. And you can see Nicodemus's lifestyle that he's used to where he's f- famous and he he's well, he wants to leave that and go with Jesus, but he can't bring himself to do it. And the turmoil in his spirit, man, is profoundly moving to see that. It's a, oh man, it's it's I th- I found the series to be life changing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think that that's why doing devotionals and studies and and Bible studies with other people have been so impactful to me. Because like right mm-hmm. now I'm doing a study on Elijah right now with a group of ladies and just the whole idea that God called him to the wilderness to be fed by like ravens and this like little brook stream, like same type of concept. Like we know what happened. So it's almost not even a big deal. Like, yeah, God fed him, like whatever. But if God called me right now to go like walk out in the middle of Byron and just like hang out there by myself and just be fed by like whatever, like I think there's so much that we miss because it's easy to just kind of read it in words on a page instead of really seeing it come to life and seeing all these in between life moments that are happening that we won't, we won't know the whole like depth of them, like this side of heaven. You know, I, I like to think often about some of the conversations and things that I'll, I don't know the questions that I'll be able to get to ask when I get to heaven. Cause I'm, I'm just going to want to know. I'm just going to want to know like how things like went down and what that looked like and stuff. So I hope there's replays. I know me too. I really, I really do. Seriously. I hope that there are. <laughs> I really do. And it's not instant because it's so long ago, but there's still replays. Yeah. Right. Got a portion of sky into the screen if you wanted to. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. It's so much. I'll tell you guys this. It has been, over the past probably year and a half or two years, there's been part of my, is my spirit that has been struggling with church culture and so many questions that I have that I don't ask because I don't want to piss people off, but that I see and I'm like, dude, why do we stand in our own circles so eager to carve at each other? You know what I mean? Or, yeah. or why do we tell each other the same stories we already know? Why aren't like these guys over here that, that aren't, you know what I mean? People that haven't heard it. Yeah. I mean, it's all good and it's all fellowship and it's all meaningful. I get that. But there's a lot of that over the past couple years, you know? And then also I found myself talking to a young man where basically like he was a guy kind of, I posted about him when I put, I put something on Facebook the other day where I was like, man, I can't call it what any of this is, but this young gentleman who's on the fence, I would say he is faith curious. (laughs) If that's a thing, but keeps going back to the same thing. So finally I just told him, man, I was like, dude, 
you know, he's so worried about all of the world stuff. That's why I posted, I I can't call it. I can't. But what are you going to do about Jesus? Like, that's the question you should be asking. Like your choice. You know, I've had multiple conversations. I told him he was like, dude, you're flat out doomed. And then this, like, you don't like what I have to say because you don't, you don't like the things you think you're going to have to do or give up. But like, if it was your health, like if doc said, look at that gray spot under your clavicle, like you're doomed. And you'd be like, what exactly do I need to do? Yeah. And if he said, put a clown mask on and walk up and down door, picking up cigarette butts, you would no questions asked, put a clown hat face on and, and do those things. So this is, I'm talking about your eternity and you don't want to stop going to party night, karaoke night or whatever. And no one's saying you have to, that's the thing. (laughs) Yeah. It just, you, when you have that relationship, you're going to want to stop going. I mean, right. Go sing karaoke all you want. Just don't get loaded. Right. And then you end up not wanting to. Is it? Yeah. Thing? Yep. Exactly. Well, if you end not- up, you end up search, you end up really, well, here, here's the thing. I think that everybody's searching for the actual stuff that's going to fill their soul. Right. And it's just trying to find that target, trying to figure out what, what works. And so I think I know, I believe that when you find the actual source of what makes you whole, and then you actually, have a way that you can run after that. It's, mm-hmm. ex- it's extremely hopeful. It's extremely life giving, you right. know, like that, that like it, it's, I think often of when the disciples, you know, Jesus teaches all this stuff on, you know, unless you drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, you have no part of me. And, and all these people are like, this guy's a psycho and they leave, you know, they have no idea right, what dude. he's talking about and they take off. It's wild. You know, but then the disciple, you know, he looks at the disciples, you know, well, what about you? And they're like, well, where else would we go? You know, like, I don't, I don't I like what you're saying. I don't, I don't have all the answers. I, even for my own cir- circumstances, trying to work that out day by day and what I'm supposed to do and what the right thing is and trusting God with that. But I know that I know that I know that God is good. And he's shown that in my life. I've felt it. I've, I've heard his voice. I've seen it in relationships and in people and the things that he's done in my life. And now it's like, there's just, there's just no way that I that I could deny the goodness of God and not oh. trust him and what Christ has done in my life to heal me and make me whole. And I'm still on that journey. And I just, I wish that people could, you know, it's, it's literally like having that light bulb turn on. And if they could see it, knowing that anything that they're trying to fill that hole with right now, it's mm-hmm. like, if they could just see how good God is, like how worth it it is to like lay anything down that he would ask for. You know, because like what you're saying, Pastor Kim, it's just like it's it's you don't even want to after that because it's just you're running after what is actually the better thing, you know. Amen. There's no place like the center of his will. Yeah. That is the sweet spot. That's where the ball goes out of the park. That's where the pass lands in the arms in the end zone. That's where the the ball hits nothing but net. And that's just, um, that's the sweet spot. I know when I walk this path that there's going to be, um, I know either path, there's going to be calamity. There's going to be problems. Mm-hmm. 
issues, but I know when I'm on this path, I'm not in a spot where I'm going to hear the truth and know the answers. But if I'm walking this path, I know that he is always there, no matter what. We, if you get devastating news about something, if you get a bad report, if, you, if you're if you challenged and, and tested on a daily basis, you're still walking this because you've had that experience and you have that peace that passes understanding and you have uh, that experience. Your story is what you get to relate to other people and tell them, I've done it both ways. With him is better. Right. It's Amen. just, this is the route. Amen. It's Amen. not even, that's why I'm trying to tell these guys, this is, this is, I've found what the route is. And it's not, it's not necessarily this big performative, you know, thing. It's, this is just, this is the route and no, everything just because I've on it. I mean, everything's not okay all the time. Oh yeah. Like everything, you know, in the end, everything will be okay. But if everything's not okay, it's not the end. It's just, and you're still grinding. It's just, you know, everything's not going to be perfect. And it's not this Pollyanna, everything you found Jesus, life's a bowl of cherries. Right. In fact, in some cases, it gets worse. In fact, in our country now, I believe that we aren't going to see beheadings on the beach persecution, but there's definitely social persecution coming down. There's definitely, you see people trying to be confirmed into the, you know, I just heard this the other day. I, I can't, I think Comey, when she was trying to be confirmed into the Supreme court, somebody said that like you shouldn't be qualified because the dogma lies deep within you. And if that doesn't sound like star Wars, I don't know what does, but this other Senator person was just like, no, you shouldn't be qualified because you take your Catholic faith seriously, hmm. you know? And those are the, that's kind of that covert persecution is happening. It is. It is. It is. It's low key, but it's, well, I mean, low to mid key now. Yeah, it's becoming less low key now. That's for sure. But it's just, these are the things, this is the way it's going to be. You know, and this doesn't change anything with me and God. Nothing changes. This isn't heaven. We we're supposed to know that. Yeah. Ashley knows this, but what I like to say is a wise man's mom once said, this isn't heaven. You know? This isn't hell. No. It's just a place where you have to figure out what you're going to do with Jesus. Right. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do about this? Your choice, though. It's like, Pastor Kim, I think you saw the post, but it was, that's my thing. That's what I've told this to you. Your choice. Here's the route. You got to choose to be on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's well, rough. It's rough, but I mean, the, the cool thing is, is that he's, well, you know, he's omnipresent. He's omniscient. Yeah. He's So he's all-knowing. He's everywhere. He's all powerful. He's, he's perfectly right, good. He is perfect. So the cool thing is that you can be anywhere. He's, he's got, you can turn around right there, wherever you are. Yeah, dude. And he can be like, right I, there with I, you. In, in, in the times leading up to switching companies and those moments and coming out of like COVID early COVID and all the things that kind of surrounding moving companies, I found myself trying to run 
found God being like, I'm everywhere, Jack. <laughs> you can't run. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know I've had I mean? him be like, I'll wait for you. Are you ready? I'll wait for you, but are you ready? You know, even this whole summer, it's like, God, I just want to know what you want us to do. I just want to know what we're supposed to do. I just want to know what we're supposed to do. And finally, like the end of the summer, he's like, yeah, but are you going to be ready when you get that answer? And I'm like, oh, no, I was just whining the whole time. I just want to know what I'm doing. I don't want to have yeah. a good heart about it. You know, so, oh gosh, he's like, he's just chasing us down. He's yeah. so good. It's, it's much different, you know, yeah. than what I think people who don't know fully I think it's much different than people perceive it to be. Oh yeah. You know, and like I, Hulu has done a documentary about, you know, the, the poor choices of Jerry Falwell Jr. And his, and his wife and, and that whole mess. And like, so it gives people that this is the image, yeah. you know, this is what we see when we see Christians. My older brother's like, that's what he sees he sees that he sees the scandal and calls it the church. You know, he sees broken men that have gained power and abused power and stamped it with a capital G. Yeah. You know, and it's, and in some ways, and I'm like, okay, like I understand. Yeah. Like if you don't know that's your only, like your, your only access to Christianity is this gnarly documentary or the tabloids or what social media says your Twitter feed, you know, you go down the, all these different rabbit holes. I understand where you'd be. Yeah, absolutely. Skeptical, but, but it's literally a relationship with God. That's where the, the media is going to misrepresent um, all the time. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's going to, um, to not, show the truth and and for some reason there's an agenda there against it um that's biblical things you know bible is is coming to pass things are happening they uh, they said it it would go figure Um, right so just that's why i believe that places like we're involved with are so important because we're we're down to earth grand blank home home church Freedom Center Church are down to earth and they are out in the streets meeting people where they are. They're ministering to needs. There's kingdom builders that are doing great things to impact people's lives and and help them. And I mean, if if the media ever focused on anything like that, they they wouldn't cover it because there's no blood in the water. There's no juice there. There, Yeah, exactly right. Right. If they got nothing on you, if there's no shade to be cast, it is not interesting. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and as, you know, kind of as a thought that kind of ties in with veterans to veterans day is that I'm, I'm extremely grateful for like you posted Jim the other day about thank you for your service. Thank you for the service of those that have come yes. before you. And that's the first time I guess I kind of had thought about it like that. Like you thinking prior servicemen and women for their service. Mm-hmm. And I, and I really love that. And I, and I feel the same about mentors and leaders and, and faithful people in all the generations before that have, that have lived a faithful 
obedient life that have done, they've, they've answered that call, whether it's been in their service, whether it's been in their faith. Um, so that I could be here today doing what I'm doing. Oh yeah. Um, I'm so grateful for that, you know, and I, I never chose from a military aspect. I I know I had the choice. I didn't have to, I got to choose to find my own way in this nation. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for all the things that have happened even in the last hundred years that I could go to college and make my own decisions, have my own bank account as a female, Mm -hmm. you know, these things that even maybe my, my grandmother couldn't do just even, you know, 67 years ago. So, um, I'm so grateful. I'm just so grateful from a faith aspect and also from, from my nation. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's yeah, very cool. I posted. I'm going to pull it up because I liked it that much. I think it's in my regular pictures. I usually am not smart enough to keep things like this. Um, I think you're smart. He's super smart. Um, okay, I'll find it real quick. But it's a cool. It's a cool way to talk about people who consider themselves called to whatever I think and it was in, it was in, uh, so it says, okay, here it goes. And, and it's just speaking to, this is an, a site, a Instagram site that talks mostly to first responders and veterans. It's the heart of it, but it says to hear, to hear the call is one thing to acknowledge it. Another yet to realize it, answer it and live, live to strive towards it is everything. And then, of course, it says, send me Isaiah 6, 8. Yeah, I remember you but like that. that was good. That was good. But just the idea of that, it's like, for me, and especially to speaking young pe- to young people as a chaplain, like the brave part, I always thought of the brave part of being a soldier was swearing the oath. You know, the brave part of being a fireman was signing up, signing that dotted line and doing the thing. You know, all the rest of it is just like the idea that any shift really still, and especially now as things spin up and get more sketchy out here, like any shift could be my last shift. It's just, it is, it is a thing and that's just a byproduct of it. So not like dwelling on that so much, but you know what I mean? And not necessarily just. Well, just that it not dwelling that uh, it, I could end up getting taken out on any given shift. But sure. I mean, you did a whole career of policing knowing that, you know, I mean, were you, you were pr- probably doing police work before like plate holders and tactical vests and that stuff, weren't you? We had uh, pretty crude vests when I first started, but there were no plates. It was just a ballistic vest made of Kevlar and, uh, they stopped most things, and um, but when I when I started, half the people I worked with didn't wear them, right? Because they started their careers without them. And it was too right. They look fat. It's too bulky. It's hot. You know. Ooh, yeah, that's what I hear now. It's very hot. But yeah, just just the idea that there's more to it. You know, there's more. To, you feel called to something, but there's there's you know, what do we say in scriptures? Count the cost. Like, yeah. 
what comes with that. Yeah. Like you know, that, that's just, you probably do it for the money and the fame. Oh wait, there's <laughs> neither. <laughs> no. Nope. There's neither. But yeah, anyway, good episode. Yeah. 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 Good OG crew on here. I know. It was good to be I'm together. Really glad you guys asked me. Thanks. Absolutely. Good to connect yes. again. Yeah, we'll get you back. Yeah, we've we got some big episodes coming, man. So it's exciting. Ashley's been producing the show and like connecting with all these different organizations that in large part are doing the same stuff. So yeah, it's good. Also for you both, Pastor Kim, you're going to know what this is. And I'm going to send you a picture of what I think I'm going with, but I am right now currently in the process of getting some challenge coins made. Oh yeah. Cool. One side will say lighthouse experiment and the other side will say serving those who serve. I love it. Actually. So in the military, the challenge coin is something you are usually awarded sometimes in front of everybody, sometimes in private by like the commanding officer. And to me in my career, I, I have many of them from different things from like fire department stuff. I have a grand blank police department one and stuff, but it's always held more value to me than any type of paper or ribbon. So I decided that what we should do is get a bunch of those made and kind of the core people for TLE will all get one. But then what we'll do is I'll start sending them to the people when they're guests on the show. Excellent. That'd be cool. Excellent. So basically so you, said, you give it have to, get to my somebody that set up. Yeah, yes, you do. And you know the person that can help you with that. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> um so you would so when you see somebody do something exemplary, you would you would give them the coin. Is that yes. basically okay? People who are in, in line doing what we're doing. Okay. People who would help us. You That's know, cool. but it's really yeah. cool. In the military, though, something you do something exemplary, you get a coin. It's very special. And it's typically the ones I got in the military was nothing anybody else saw. Like the commander saw something in me or saw me do something. It's kind of that, what, how are you when no one's looking kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Integrity, man. Yeah. And so that's, that's, yeah. Getting, that, getting that perk, that little recognition right on all right well thank you listeners and thank you to kingdom builders and freedom center church for your continued love and support remember if you need help get help dial or text 988 also tell them you're a veteran if you're a veteran tell them you're a first responder if you're a first responder they'll get you to the right folks all right see you next time